Good morning, Valley family. Hope everyone uh, had a great Thanksgiving, and thank you for joining us on this holiday weekend. Uh, Hope you're not tripping on tryptophan any longer. Everyone's, uh, as my mother would always say, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning. Uh, We are concluding this series that we've been in. This is week number five uh, in our Warrior series, and uh, I kind of thought about trying to figure out what to do with this Sunday after Thanksgiving. It's not yet Christmas, kind of December-ish, but, uh, you know, how good is Warrior during Thanksgiving? And then I thought, you know, about last words. We, 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 sometimes we think about famous last words. Uh, I think it was John Paul Jones that said, give me liberty or give me death. Uh, you know, the, these last statements that people made right before uh, their, their death. Of course, Jesus said, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, those were the, probably the most famous last words ever. But in the book of Joshua, we have his last words. And uh, I I think it's especially fitting for today because at our noon service, we're going to be dedicating 12 children. We have 12 child dedications. And and Joshua made a statement that really kind of echoed not only through his own family, but for generations to come. And so that's what I want to look at today, these famous last words, because what he said as he charged the, the nation of Israel, he said, you have a choice to make today. Every single one of you have is a choice to make. And, and he, he framed it in such a beautiful way, very, very simply and precisely. And I think the reality is you and I have that exact same choice to make today as well. So I want to look at his famous last words, the choice that he put before the nation of Israel. And I think he puts it before you and I as well. God does. It's recorded for us in his word. And, and so uh, I want to jump in in Joshua chapter 24 verse 14, famous last words that he has. And I also want to welcome everybody joining us on our online campus. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that on this holiday weekend. How about we just welcome them in right now? Just give them a big clap up. Thank you so much. So my notes are on our website. You can follow along uh, with me and, and add your own notes there and save those to look back on in the future as we talk about the choice. Oh, one other thing I put on my notes here that I wanted to mention. I do want to thank you all so much, everyone that contributed to our uh, Operation Christmas Child. You uh, packed, we collected 642 boxes yet last week. How about that? 642 <laughs> lives, literally. 642 children that their lives are going to be impacted this year because of your generosity. So here we are, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, and this is Joshua's literally on his deathbed here, and listen to what his last words are as he gives the nation of Israel this choice, and I think it's your choice as well and mine today. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Those are his famous last words. He says, you need to choose, every one of you need to choose today who you're going to serve. And then he says, but as for me... And my household, we will serve the Lord. Then I want to just drop down. That's verse 15. Drop down to verse 29. And it says, after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, so I guess he didn't have a mother and father, 
That's just a joke. His, his dad's name was Nun. How weird is that? So anyway, after these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance, in Timnah of Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. And Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. See, here's the thing. I I, I just want to make this statement at the beginning so we don't miss it. Every one of us has a choice. Are we going to serve God? Are we going to serve someone else? You will live your life serving something or someone. Every one of us will. It, it, It may be, you may serve your kids your whole life. You, you may serve the making a, a more of a dollar, you know, make more money. That may be, money may be your master. Every one of us gets to choose who our master is going to be. Who are we really going to give our life in service to? Every one of us will serve someone. But only those who choose to serve the Lord will actually experience everything that the Lord has for them. And you know what? It's really, really good. It won't be an easy life. It's not a perfect life. But, but it's the best life you can possibly live when you choose to serve God, when I choose to serve God. But he doesn't force himself on any of us. That's why Joshua says, choose today who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, he says, we will serve the Lord. So in that choice, I want to share with you three principles here right in this statement that I think are really important that we kind of like go into eyes wide open to understand a choice. I, I, I hate it when, uh, you know, someone gives me a choice, but they don't give me all the details. They don't give me all the information. It's like kind of a choice. And then after I make a choice, they're like, yeah, but you also need to remember. And I'm like, I didn't even know that. Like, like give, give me all the information, the, the maximum information, so that I can make the best choice possible. And that's what I want to do today for you, is to give you the most information possible so you can make the best choice possible. Because Joshua said, choose this day who you're going to serve. There are principles, three principles that affect life choices in terms of who are we going to serve for our lifetime. First of all is the purpose of the individual, that is, that he says, as for me. He goes, as for me. He goes, I I can't make that choice for you. Chris can't make that choice for you. As much as I want to make choice for other, other people, Tom, I can't make that choice for you. As for me, he says, first of all, I have to decide myself. As for me. God begins with the individual all the time. I may not know what the others are going to choose, and I cannot choose for them, but as for me, well, I do have a choice. And that's the thing. God has given every single one of us a choice. God has given every single human being on this planet a choice. He will not force himself on anyone, but he wants everyone to choose him. And he gives every single human being in the span of their lifetime that choice at one time or another. And that's very uh, biblical and it's very theological. No one has an excuse that I didn't know about God. I didn't know who he was. The Bible makes that very clear in the book of Romans. No one has an excuse. 
whether they've attended a church or not, there's not one person who's ever breathed on the planet that did not, could not look up at the stars in the sky and realize, okay, this isn't an accident. There's no way that random chance actually made this happen. There must be some sort of creator. It's called general revelation. And if any person will pursue that, there must be some kind of being that caused this to come into this, to being creation itself. And if they'll just simply pursue that, God will reveal himself to them in a, in a matter that is actually saving. That's called specific revelation. Book of Revel, uh, the book of Romans talks about this. That's why, you know, sometimes people say, well, what about the, the pygmy in Africa? First of all, you don't know them, and if you're that concerned, I think you should go meet them and tell them about Jesus, you, you know, first and foremost. But, but, but even the pygmy in Africa, the, the most, the, like, remote place in the world, they can look up and they can see God in creation himself, his attributes revealed in creation. So no human being, there's never been a human being that has ever breathed, lived, and died that did not have an opportunity to put their faith in God. The Bible makes that very, very clear. We, however, we have a responsibility to choose ourselves. Can't make that choice for our children. Can't make that choice for our spouse. Can't make that choice for the person that we're dating, hopefully if you're single, not married and dating someone else, we don't want to talk about that or anything. You can't make that choice. Every one of us has the choice, that choice of the individual. I don't know what they're going to choose. I can't do anything about other people, but I can do something about me. Have you made the choice today that you are going to serve God? Have you made that decision? I didn't say... Are you committed to attending church? That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Have you made that determination? As for me, I will serve the Lord all the days of my life. That's what Joshua said. See, because individual purpose, individual choice that God gives to each and every one of us, it separates us from others. There's always a separation whenever you make a choice. If you choose not to make a choice, that separates you from those who do make choices. Whenever we make a choice, it, it, there's a line in, drawn in the sand. There's a distinction that's made. Joshua was willing to stand alone if need be. Think about that for just a minute. General, commander, leader of Israel. And he said, as for me and my house, and basically he's saying, and if the rest of you choose not to serve God, I'm okay with that. That's on you, it's not on me any longer. He was willing to stand alone. He wasn't, he wasn't going to give in to the, to the peer pressure or what the, the, the current you know, trend was, what's trending. He's like, whether serving God's trending or not, I am going to serve the Lord. Individual choice always gives us an individual purpose. It separates us, and you know what else it does? It strengthens us. It strengthens you and I when we make that choice. See, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Let me just say it again. If you stand for nothing, if there's nothing in your life, you're like, wait a minute. On this, I'll lay down my life. On this, when it comes to my faith, whatever that is, on this, I am never going to budge. I'm never going to compromise. 
If there's not a few things in your life that are like, there's no compromise, this is never, I'm never reconsidering this, this is the way it is, and it's never going to change. That's what really gives us strength. The purpose of the individual, he says, as for me. Here's the second thing, the principle that affects our choices, the power of influence. He says, as for me and my house. Let me just like explain this for just a minute. Joshua cannot make the choice for his spouse, for his kids, for his grandkids. He's 110. He probably has great, great grandkids alive at this point. Joshua can't make the choice for them, but he can make the choice as for me. And what does he mean by my house? He's not, I'm not forcing my faith on them, but I'm going to use all of my influence to influence those closest to me. That's what he's saying there. As for me and my house, as for me, I'm making that choice and decision myself. As for me and my house and my house, they're going to continually hear me talk about the goodness of God. I am never going to shut up. I'm going to tell them over and over and over and over. And some of you are looking at members of your family right now and like going over and over. And you're like, thank God they talk about over and over. They never shut up. I wish they'd shut up. Okay, I'll just receive Jesus just to make you shut up. Okay, that's fine. I can live with that. I can deal with that. Like, like I'm going to use everything at my disposal every way possible to influence those around me toward faith in God. That's what Joshua is saying now. So I guess the first question today is this, have you made the choice? I'm going to serve the Lord. Here's the second choice today. The second question, are you using all of your influence to influence others in their faith toward God? Not, not just a little, but but the sphere that God has given to you. See, every single one of us, we have friends, we have family, we have, we have co-workers. Are you, let me put it in the words of Jesus, are you being salt and light in all your relationships? That's what Jesus said to his followers. We're to be salt and light. Light shines in the darkness. We've got a lot of light in here right now. We've got stage light and all that. But if we turned off all the lights and then just simply lit a candle, it would be, you'd be amazed at how bright that candle would shine. That's supposed to be your life. That's supposed to be my life. And, and Jesus even put it this way when he said, you're the light of the world. He goes, don't hide that light behind a bush. Some of us need to make that choice today. I'm no longer going to hide my light. I'm going to use the influence that God has given to me to influence those around me for better. Let me ask you this, put it this way. Are the people closest to you better because of you or worse? Is their life better because you're alive on this planet? Or are they kind of like, oh, no, here he comes. Oh, no, I wish he'd called out sick today. Do you, make, or do you lift people up? Are they better because of you or are they worse? As for me, Joshua says, he makes that personal choice. And my house, he says, I'm going to leverage my influence to influence those around me for good. The power of influence. Every single one of us, whether you're uh, 13 years old or 113 years old, 
every single one of us has a sphere of influence. Have you made the choice, I'm going to serve the Lord? Have you made the choice, I'm going to use the influence that God has given me in my life to influence others for good? Do you make those around you better? What is your real influence? Is it positive or negative? Is it godly or godless? Is it, could I put it this way? Is it eternal, your influence in other people's lives, or is it trivial? Is it just about things that are here today, gone tomorrow, make no difference whatsoever? How are you using the influence God's entrusted to you? Romans chapter, seven, uh, Romans chapter 14, rather, verse 7 and 8 says this, For none of us lives for ourselves alone as a follower of Christ if you've chosen to serve Christ. None of us live our lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And so if you've made that choice, I belong to the Lord, I've received Jesus as my Savior and Lord, then what are we going to do? Because we belong to the Lord, we're going to influence those around us. Uh, let, me, let me just give you a couple of points about, because the, the greatest definition of leadership, John Maxwell, great leadership guru, pastored a uh, church for 25 years now, New York Times bestseller, I think like 20 times over, uh, 20 books that he's written, New York Times bestseller. He defines leadership simply as this, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less, it's influence. Every single one, of you're a leader in some way, capacity. So when it comes to influence... When it comes to leadership, a couple of things I think that are really important that probably Joshua understood as the leader of Israel. Leadership is earned. It's not just given. you got to earn it. You have to earn it. It's through consistency. It's through reliability. It's through dependability. You have to earn leadership. You have to earn influence in people's lives. Again, leadership and influence are synonyms. Leadership is by example. People really, really are watching us, I think, a whole lot more than we actually realize. A living, breathing example. Do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't work for anybody. That's called hypocrisy. They're watching our lives. And over and over again, it's pretty interesting when we read the, the pages in the New Testament, the, the writings of Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit. When he talks about leadership in the church, it's amazing. If there's someone who's going to be a leader in the church, it's, it's not even necessarily they're a great preacher or a teacher. It's not necessarily that, that they're, all their doctrine, they can communicate the deep truths of, of doctrine. It, it says, look at the person's marriage. Look at their family. Look at their children. Those two things are, are what really make a person worthy of leadership in the church of Jesus Christ. It's about being an example. As for me comes first. Notice that? Joshua says, as for me, in other words, I'm going to make my life an example. As for me, and then my house, we'll, we'll serve those around us. We will serve Leadership is also elevated. When someone has influence, you'll see that they get more and more influence when they're faithful with the influence, the leadership that God's given to them. God exalts and he lifts up the godly into spiritual leadership. 
Psalm 75, verse 67 says, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. None of us can do that. It's God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. When we're faithful, when we're consistent, when our lives really do, they're examples of who it is that God wants us to be. God will make a place for you. You never have to worry about making a place for yourself. He's the one. He'll exalt you. Leadership is, is, is elevated. And finally, about leadership and influence, leadership is enduring. Influence is enduring. Joshua is speaking from one generation to the next generation. Joshua had the next generation in view when he said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's one of the things uh, I, I did... Uh, Celebrate a birthday this past week on Monday, and uh, even though I'm still young, just turned double nickels, 55, uh, it's one thing that Susie and I, at this point in our lives, are really, really, like, preoccupied with, I'd almost say obsessed with, and that's raising up young leaders, young leaders. That's why we, we, we invested, began really investing our time and prioritizing our time uh, this past summer with Zillennials, those in Gen X, I'm sorry, the, the um, Millennials and also Gen Z. I'm Gen X. But just, just really prioritize because it's so important. If, if, if my leadership, if my influence ends with my life, I wasn't much of a leader. I, I didn't have very min, much influence. In fact, just two weeks ago, we were speaking at an international conference of Christian leaders all over the world, and the topic that they asked me, the John Kelly, who's the convener of all those leaders, thousands, you know, hundreds and hundreds coming from thousands of nations, places, really, and, and he said, would you speak about raising up next generation leaders? And it was the coolest thing in the world. As we sat there, I was on a panel to talk about raising up next generation leaders, and there was a woman I'm guessing she's probably close to 90, came in with a walker and sat down because she wanted to hear about how to raise up next generation leaders. And I thought, this is the coolest thing in the world. I almost thought about, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and ask her, you know, but I didn't because, you know, that's what I was there for. So watch out, you know, but, but, but how, how, how concerned are you about the next generation? How concerned are you about, not just concern, but your concern is moving you to action to influence them toward godliness, to influence them to serving Jesus Christ all the days of their life. Joshua said, as for me and my house, listen, Susie and I, we're not perfect parents. We, we weren't, we aren't, but I think you ought to know. All three of our daughters in their mid-20s, mid to late 20s, they love Jesus Christ with all their heart, and they serve him. In fact, serving one right now. Two of our daughters are married. My, my two son-in-laws, you know, the greatest thing that, that ever has happened to me as a father-in-law, my two son-in-laws, each of them, do not love. Each daughter they're married to, they don't love her the most. They love Jesus more than they love that my daughters. And that is the greatest thing that can ever happen. And, and, and I'm so, we're already looking like, when those grandbabies come one day, no pressure at all back there, Josh. Love you, son. Yeah. 
But when they come, you know what? I'm going to do everything I possibly can. Exhaust every measure to influence those grandbabies to serve Jesus all the days of their life. As for me and my house, and my house, my sphere of influence, my leadership, let me ask you a question. How much are you concerned about those closest to you serving the Lord right now? Can I say something to the parents? Yeah. I think serving the Lord is more important than them being on the honor roll. Because honor roll, you know what? I've never, I've never as an employer, an employer never asked you what was your GPA. They never asked that. But you know what they want to know before they hire? Are you a good person? Are you trustworthy? Are you dedicated? Do you have a good work ethic? All of those things come or should be the byproduct of someone who has faith in Jesus Christ. Because we know that person that we're working for, that boss, is really not our boss. Jesus is our boss. Are, are, we, are we emphasizing, mom and dad, things that really only matter for the first 18, maybe 22 years of a child's life? And we, we play in the short game and we lose sight of the long game of after we're gone from this planet, how will my child's life look? What will it look like? Will they serve the Lord? As for me and my household. And, and, and let me say this, for those of you that are single, ready to mingle, the number one thing you need to look for in, in a potential spouse do they serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Number one. They will be a better spouse to you than you can even imagine if Jesus Christ is first in their life. I didn't ask, I didn't say make sure they attend church every week. There's a lot of hellions that attend church every week. There's a lot of devils and demons that attend church every week. Is Jesus Christ first in their life? If Jesus Christ is not first, don't allow them to put you first in their life. You'll be miserable. You're in for a world of heartache the rest of your life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He gives us the choice. First, it's an individual choice, a personal choice. And then after the personal choice is the power of influence. And let's look at it again, Joshua chapter 24, the influence that Joshua had over the nation. Joshua 24, verse 31, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. The entire nation served the Lord because of Joshua's influence. That's influence. That's leadership. And the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. He was a living example of a leader who influenced those around him. And the question for you and I are, are we going to be that kind of leader that influences those around us? Here's the third thing that's really important when it comes to making a choice. The, the principles of effective choice is this, the pursuit of the infinite. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, as for me and my house, Joshua says, we're going to have an eternal perspective on daily decisions we face every day. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord's purpose. We're not going to serve our own purpose. We're not going to make our family's name great. We're here on this planet to make God's name great. 
as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We only have one life, and it can only be sold out effectively to only one thing or only one person. Let it be serving the Lord. That's the only thing that is really eternal. That's the only thing that really, really lasts. Someday you, 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 you can do the most financial planning for the future as possible, and I'm all into that. And, and I think it's really, really important. But you know what? One day, the last penny is going to be spent. If not by you, by your children or your grandchildren. Gone. Three generations at the most. But what about your influence? What, what, what are your grandchildren going to say? What are your great-grandchildren going to say? Great-great-grandchildren. You know what? I never met him, but my great-great-grandpa, I've heard about him. I've heard the stories. Grandma. Grandpa told, he served the Lord. And because he served the Lord, I make that choice today to serve the Lord. One of the ways that God revealed himself, names that he referred to himself in the Old Testament was, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three generations. Three generations. I could stand here today, and I won't do it, but, but I could stand here today, and I could tell you about the faith of Jack Peters, my great-grandfather, my, my, my grandfather, that, that, that because of his faith and his faith and his daughter, one of those was my mother. I could tell you about the faith of, of my great-grandfather Stevenson. In Dothan, Alabama, the first judge of Dothan, Alabama, because of his faith in God, that my grandmother had faith in God. I, I could just go through the generational tree on my mother's side, and I could go back eight generations of men and women, my ancestors, who had faith in Jesus Christ. I say, well, that must be nice. Wish that had happened to me. It can happen to you. Because on my father's side, he was the first Christian in his family. The very first one. My dad passed away in January. He's got 10 grandchildren, three son-in-laws. Call them 13 grandchildren. Every single one serves Jesus Christ today. Every single one walks in faith in Jesus Christ. I think that's okay to clap for. It's not me, it's him. He was the first in his family, then his mother, then his father, then his brother, then his sister. But he was the first. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will keep a focus on what's eternal. Maybe you don't have a, a, a Christian heritage in your family tree. Well, then start one today. Be the first. Be the first today. Well, I've messed up so bad, I'm not sure that I can do that. Hold on just a minute. Let me throw some scripture at you. Look, look at this verse in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 3, 13 to 14. The apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, was responsible for murdering Christians before he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Look at what he says about himself. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting how bad I blew it, forgetting about all the bad stuff, all the horrific stuff that I did in my past, and straining towards what's ahead. 
With eternity in mind, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And this former persecutor of the church only wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that you have available to you and I today by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Forgetting what's behind. God's forgiven me of those things. I press on. I have eternity in mind. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Also, I love this Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. It says, since then... We've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll take the long view. At this conference that Susie and I were at just a, a, a couple weeks ago, we had a young couple came up to us that, that, that started a church. I think it was out in Oregon, actually. And, uh, and they, they're just asking, like, we're just starting out. and You guys have been pastoring a church for 30-plus years. Tell us, like, one nugget. Like, what, would you, what, 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 would, what advice would you give us? And you know what I said? I was like this. Don't be short-sighted. Take the long view. Take the long view. It's not in the super spectacular in the moment that makes a difference in people's lives. It's in consistency year in, year out. Don't try to hit a home run every time you get up to play. Just hit a single. But you hit a single every time and you watch what God will do. Just take the long view. Have a mind on the eternity, not just the, the big flash. Set your mind on things above. Finally, let me just say this. I just want to encourage every single one of us to live like Joshua. Just live a life like Joshua. We've just hit the high points of his life in this series, Warrior, over the last five weeks. I encourage you to read the book. It's an amazing book in the Old Testament. How, how did Joshua really live if you had to summarize his life? This is the kind of life I want to live. And I, and I, I want to challenge you to think about this, about the kind of life you want to live from this day forward. Live ahead of your contemporaries. He was always out there in front. Whatever it was God wanted him to do, he did. Live above your circumstances. He wasn't born to privilege. He wasn't born to rank. None of those things. He, he saw his fair share of adversity in his life, but he determined, I'm going to live above my circumstances. Live deeper than your calamities. If there's something in this life that can take you out in terms of your faith in God, just guess what the devil's going to throw at you, exactly what that is. Decide to take no matter what. That's one of the things I love about what Joshua said. He didn't give any qualifications for it. As for me and my house, as long as God continues to bless us. As for me and my house, as long as everything goes the way I want it to. As for me and my house, as long as life is easy and peaceful. No qualifications. Live deeper than your calamities. And finally, live beyond your capabilities. Live beyond your capabilities. H how do you do that? How can I do that? How can any one of us live ahead of our contemporaries, live above our circumstances, live deeper than our calamities, or live beyond our capabilities? There's only one way. There's only one name. That name is Jesus. 
most of you are probably aware of this, but Jesus is actually not a Hebrew name. That's not the name. The Christ child, his name was never, no one called him Jesus. That's the Greek form of his name. Do you know what the actual Hebrew form of his name would be? Yeshua, which is really Joshua. Joshua. Just like this first Joshua, in a very real sense, is a, is a type, is a shadow of the promised Joshua, Yeshua, who would come. It's only with Jesus that you and I can lead, live ahead of our contemporaries, live above our circumstances, live deeper than our calamities, and live beyond our capabilities. The choice is yours. I can't make it for you. I really wish I could, I would. But God gives each of us as individuals the choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm gonna ask, would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this inspirational figure in history, Joshua. And God, we pray right now in this moment, I pray, Lord, that every single one, Lord, that we'd recognize the choice that we have. Will we serve you or will we serve something else or someone else? God, I pray from the depths of my heart this morning that we would look at this choice seriously, that we would contemplate it deeply, and we would decide with conviction, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, help us to have eternal mindset. Lord, not to set our hearts on things below here, but on things above. Not on earthly things, but eternal things. That by the power of your Holy Spirit and your grace in our lives, Lord, as, as we Look to Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord that we can live ahead of our contemporaries, live above our circumstances, live, live deeper than our calamities, and live beyond our capabilities. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. Right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity right now if you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you've never made that choice, that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to do it right now, right where you are, even if you're joining us on our online campus. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how we receive him as our Savior and Lord. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now, and I just invite you to open up your heart to him in this moment of choosing, this choice that's before you and before me today. This prayer is between you and God. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to stand up. Just in this moment, open your heart up to Jesus Christ and receive him as your Savior and Lord. Just repeat this prayer after me right now, saying, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sins today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit 
from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen. Amen.